Today's text comes on the heels of Jesus dishing out some very sharp, very loving warnings and rebukes. Particularly, he's speaking to the Pharisees, a group of religious leaders, but everybody can hear this. Everybody's within earshot, but he's directing these warnings and rebukes to the Pharisees, and he's telling them essentially, don't settle for a life of religious duty and appearance. Don't do it. He's saying, if you don't live a life that's full of my spirit, it's full of me, then you will quickly be filled with a selfish, evil, or dead spirit. You are meant to be filled, and you'll either be filled by Jesus or filled by this world. That's it. This passage this morning that Blake read, it emphasizes this with like an exclamation point in a very personal way. Jesus has been trying to get us, get his followers, get everyone on planet earth to hear this message. Jesus first. Jesus first. He is of first importance. He is the Alpha and Omega, like we were singing. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the author and the perfecter. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the king. He's the son of God. He's the word. He's the vine. He's the gate. He's the shepherd. Christ is everything. No one comes to the Father without him. No one gets to true life without him. We have two options. We are slaves to sin or we are free in Christ. This is one of these ways you're going to walk the rest of your life. You will be a slave to sin, or you will be free in Christ. No one receives special treatment, and no one gets a pass. No matter how nice you are, no matter how many times you come to this place or other places like this, no one gets a bye. Not even Jesus' mama. This is what we see in the story this morning. No one is safe. This passage opens with Jesus' mother and his brothers coming to see Jesus, but they're standing outside. And this phrase really sums up a posture and a position that they're holding and that you and I can hold when we approach Jesus, when we see Jesus. In Mark's gospel, he writes the same story. And in that, he says that all of the disciples are sitting inside of the house at Jesus' feet. But Jesus' mom and brothers are standing outside. Standing is really a posture of reservation or half-heartedness. Standing is actually the posture that you have right before you walk away. The posture that they have is a spirit of indecision. And this is what Jesus warned about in the passages before this. When he was speaking to the Pharisees and he was saying, look, Jonah came and he warned people and they repented. Something greater than Jonah is here warning you and you're not repenting. Someone greater than Solomon, something greater than the temple that you love and adore so much is here in front of you. And you are stuck and refuse to be moved to Jesus or by Jesus. They were outside deliberately. This isn't like they couldn't get in. It's not like they showed up late and they couldn't find a seat. They were deliberately outside the orbit of Jesus' intimate teaching ministry. They were near, but they weren't totally within. And this is a position 
that speaks to spiritual emptiness. Again, this is what Jesus just warned the Pharisees about, having a nice, tidy home that's totally empty of intimacy and closeness with God. They're enjoying the benefits of having Jesus close. All the demons are gone. They can see now. They get extra bread and fish. It's awesome. There's all kinds of benefits when Jesus is here. There's all kinds of benefits when Jesus' people are around you. They're enjoying those benefits of Jesus being close, but without the total commitment of having him within. And this is a posture and a position that we are in danger of taking today, this morning, right now. We could be caught in the same place as these people, as Jesus' mom and brothers, standing outside of Jesus' teaching and life, just peering in, kind of like, you know, choosing off the menu what you like, what you don't like. You'll just skip on that. Not fully committed, not fully surrendered. You like him being around. You like the benefits, but you don't want him all up in your business. There's a few places you shouldn't go, Jesus. You probably can't handle this. I kind of like this. Don't touch that. The problem with indecision, like just being on the outside and looking in and starting to pick and choose, is that we will quickly move from indecision to manipulation if we stay there. We start calling and demanding Jesus to come out and meet us where we are. This is what his mother and brother, they don't go inside and sit at Jesus' feet. They say, come out to us. Come and see us where we are. Instead of humbling ourselves to be where he is. This is like a, a, a posture or a position that's almost like ownership of Jesus. Like you owe us. We've done a lot for you. I mean, it's Jesus' mom. I mean, I raised you. I wiped your bottom. I did all this stuff. You come out to me. We can totally approach him in this way. I've been in church my whole life. Do you know who my grandma is? She's so holy. She's holy enough for like seven people. In Mark's gospel, when he writes about this account, he notes that Jesus' family come to bring him home with him because they think that he's lost his mind. He is going cuckoo. And so they show up and say, we're going to take you into safety. We're going to bring you into a better place, Jesus, because you are, if you haven't heard, there's this group of, called Pharisees, and they're trying to kill you. We want to protect you. We want to bring you into a safe place. And they have no idea what they're beckoning Jesus into. And we, we can begin to think that we're doing Jesus a favor by bringing him into our position into our time, into our ways. Well, it's 2022, Jesus. You should probably be a little more affirming. There's this thing called the internet, Jesus. A lot of information on there that you didn't know about. Science is real all of a sudden. Well, you should really catch up on this. You're a little behind the times. You don't even have an Instagram account. You don't have any kind of social media. You're, you're so far gone. Jesus, I don't, I don't know if so much like we have a sin nature. Like you keep saying this. We're either like with the devil or with you. I don't know if it's like that. I think it might be more like I have unresolved childhood trauma. Like I know you said that I have a plank in my eye, but I'm pretty sure somebody put the plank in my eye. 
Our testimony as Christ followers is not that we were halfway decent people and then we went and got some Jesus in our life and now we're better people. We don't cuss as much. We don't gossip as much. We don't yell as quickly as we once did. Our testimony, everyone who is found in Christ Jesus this morning is this. We were dead and we were slaves to sin until Jesus broke through the door and rescued us and brought us to life for the first time in this life. That is everyone's story. And the longer that we stand outside, the more we will try to manipulate and bring Jesus into our will and into our preferences and into our timeline and into our way. And Jesus bends for no one except the Father. He will not be manipulated. You think you're working the system, but you're actually working against it and in your ways, you're furthering yourself in the ways of the enemy. Jesus asked this question that kind of reinforces this idea that he's losing his mind. In Matthew 12, 48, he says, who are my mother and brothers? This is Jesus, once again, hopping on the offensive train. Choo-choo, he's coming for you, mom. He's coming for you. No one's safe. It's uncomfortable. It's uneasy. And it's totally what Jesus does to wake us up from our lifeless ways. We just get in habits and routines and we think that we're okay. And Jesus will begin to shake things and flip the script on us through his word and his spirit. It's like, oh my goodness, I was way off. Jesus knows who his mom and brothers are. He knows this. What he's doing is flipping the script on a culture who found great identity and value and security in their family of origin. And I just want to say what everybody already knows, this isn't something that just happened in the Bible. This isn't exclusively like a Jewish culture thing. This exists right here in this tent right now. This is totally present in Mexican familias. I mean, it's crazy. The, like the loyalty and pride that you have to family. It's like old English tattoo on your belly, like family first pride. That's a different level. You miss a birthday party, you're dead. You're dead to us. <laughs> There's 14 in one month. You're dead to us. <laughs> this is true for all of my pasty Scotch-Irish brothers and sisters as well. You got some serious pride, especially like one day a year. You got like extra pride and you wear extra green. And then you have like these crests of your family heritage and with like, it's got like dragons on it and it's got like something in Latin. You have no idea what it says, but it means a lot to you because that is, that's your family. That's your history. That's who you are. What does it say? I have no idea. And the dragons are scary, but that's who we are, darn it. This is true for the American culture, the Western culture. Family is a huge deal. It's also a huge moneymaker, which is probably why it's a huge deal here. Jesus isn't saying that your family of origin isn't important. 
or you should like drop him like a sack of hot potatoes. He's not saying that. The Bible over and over again speaks of honoring your family, of taking care of your family, tending to your family. Jesus, with his dying breath on a cross, makes provisions for his mom, gives her a new son, and gives that son a new mom to make sure she's okay. Jesus loved his mama, and it's okay for you to love yours too. And it's okay to have a dysfunctional relationship with her too, if that's you. Because Jesus is revealing something to us. He's revealing that your family of origin has an impact on you more than you realize. Usually when you get a little older and you start behaving like the people you said you'd never behave like, that's when you start to realize, oh, shoot. It has an impact on you, but not as much impact as your new family will in him. Your family is important, but the family that Jesus brings you into is of most importance. Jesus rearranges our loyalty. Matthew 12, 49, stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus is doing this this morning. He is stretching his hand over you and me and saying, you're my family. You are my family. You collectively are my family. If. Did you see that word in there? If. If you want to be my family, you don't just stand close by. You don't just like double tap my words to like it. You will what? Do the will of my Father in heaven. That sounds like a tall order, if we're, if we're being honest. That sounds like a lot. Because, you know, Jesus followed the will of his Father, and he died on a cross. This is like, what does this even mean? What, is, what does that look like? It's amazing that in this moment, Jesus is stretching his hand out over his disciples and saying, you are my family if you do the will of my Father. And it appears that they aren't doing a darn thing. They're just sitting there, actually. Do you see it? He's saying, if you do the will of my Father like these, then you're my family. Sitting like cross-legged on the ground in front of you, this is it? This is what we do? Well, I think I can do this. I think I got this. Jesus is saying that you're already doing the will of the Father. This right here, sitting under his word, worshiping him, Leaning on him, obeying him, choosing him, showing up for him, pouring your affection out on him. We can totally get caught up in the doing that we forget that that only comes from a place of being with Jesus. We want to do for Jesus, but it only comes and is truly birthed out of a place of being with Jesus. This is emphasized in a story in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 10. There's these sisters, Mary and Martha. And some of you already know the story, and you're already on Team Martha or Team Mary. Like, you've already got it. For those of you who don't know, these sisters were dear friends of Jesus, and, and they hosted him and the disciples often. And this evening, they, they were having dinner, and all the disciples were doing what disciples do, doing what the family does. We sit at the feet of Jesus, and we soak in every second that he stares at us and speaks to us. 
eyes wide open, ears wide open. And Mary, Mary is sitting there with everyone, eyes wide open, ears wide open, soaking it in. And Martha is busy with the casserole in the kitchen, just seething because she's the only one that's busy with the ca- only one that's doing the real work over here. It's your house too, Mary. I'm sure there was like probably not passive aggressiveness going on because that maybe didn't exist then. But, you know, banging around some pots a little extra loud or just like clearing the table in front of Mary, just a lot of eye contact. <laughs> this is what I love about, about, <laughs> this is what I love about Martha. She didn't take her complaint and go off to the other room and find other people to complain to. This is, listen to this. She didn't verbally process or vomit on somebody else. What does she do? She goes to Jesus. Goes stri- she takes her complaint, her grumble, and she throws it on Jesus. Aren't you going to tell my sister to get her lazy butt up and do something with me? This is what she says to Jesus. Aren't you going to, do you see what's happening here? Lazy bones over here. And this is what Jesus says to her. Luke 10, 41 to 42. Martha, Martha. So much affection coming through this woman from Jesus. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. How many of you know this is true? She came with one complaint, but there are many things that she's upset about. There's a whole iceberg underneath there. And if you get to Jesus, he will start to unravel all of it for you. You're upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Don't get your doing before your being. That's a Mark Condy quote. Don't get your doing before your being. First things first. Jesus first. Dishes second. Jesus first. Going to church second. Jesus first. Saying all the right things and having all the right answers second. Jesus first. Sitting with Jesus will always, listen, always lead to doing with Jesus. For those of you who are super nervous about just sitting, it will always lead to doing. Jesus is an equal opportunity offender. I love this about him because he's going to offend the doers and he's also going to offend the sitters. How many of you are doers in here? You want to cop to it? Yeah, come on now. You're my people. You love it. You love, give me the checklist. Give me the thing. Give me the steps. I want to do it. I want to ace it. I want to nail it. Let's go. I don't know if you need to repeat that chorus one more time, Jared. We got it. We sang it. It's true. All right. Let's go. Can we get busy on to the next thing? Can we get busy into the real stuff? Can we move on to the next? Not yet. Not yet. Because if you get busy just doing, you will, are in danger of leaving behind Jesus and where he's headed. Jesus also offends the sitters. How many of you are sitters? Come on. We need a couple of you. Yes. Love you. Love the sitters. Just soaking in the presence for hours. Just anxiousness and everybody else. You love it. And I love it. 
We need you. You are also about to get offended by Jesus because he doesn't operate on your timetable. He doesn't operate on your schedule. Because as you're sitting there, Jesus has some stories to tell you. In fact, there's a couple parables we're going to get to, and he has some very strong words for those who have been given much in his presence while sitting and then do nothing with it. It does not go well for you. It does not end good. If you don't get moving, you know this is true, because if you sit with him long enough, you know that Jesus doesn't stay put. Jesus is on the go constantly, but he goes where he wills and how he wills and with who he wills. We're on his timetable. It's totally uncomfortable, and it's totally uneasy following Jesus. But here is the truth. Jesus makes everyone uncomfortable, and that is a good thing. If you haven't been made uncomfortable by Jesus in a while, lean in with us. The goal of discipleship is not comfort. It is Christ-likeness. He isn't trying to get you to be comfortable in your own skin. He's trying to get you to be comfortable in His skin. Jesus doesn't lead us around pain and heartache and tough stuff. He leads us through it. Why? Why did you have to choose this path right here? Why can't we just go around this stuff? It's, there's lots of roads around this, Jesus. Romans eight seventeen. Because we're joint heirs with Christ. If only we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. This is a part of the plan. Pain doesn't mean you're outside of the will of God. Sometimes it means you're right in the middle of it. You may have heard the phrase, blood is thicker than water, but with Jesus, spirit's thicker than blood. Jesus' blood speaks a better word over you than your own bloodline can and will. I want to end our time praying because I think that Jesus wants to exchange the old for the new this morning. And I don't mean that in some like untangible, super spiritual way. I believe that there are patterns of thoughts, things that you've believed about yourself, things that are on your family crest that does not fit with his family. And I believe that Jesus wants to kindly exchange your old ways with his new ways, your old family for your new family. So would you stand? I want to poke at a couple things. You all right? Okay, here we go. Ready or not, I have a mic, so you have to be okay with it. Some of you, you've been marked with disappointment and pain and heartache and embarrassment because of your family. And it's time to let go and embrace Jesus. Some of you have been puffed up with pride and entitlement because of your family, and it's time to let go and embrace Jesus. Some of you are like really aware as we're talking about like family of origin of all of the baggage that comes with that. Like you know what your family line is. You come from a family line of rage. You come from a family line of gossipers. 
You come from a family line of adulterers. You come from a family line of gamblers, a family line of witchcraft, a family line of runners, a family line of Pharisees, a family line of cowards, a family line of drunks, a family line of anxiety, of worry, of doubt. This is your family's heritage, and you are very aware of it. But are you aware of the new family line that you have in Jesus? Have you, have you listened? Have you tapped into the bank account that now you have access to? Are you proud of now your, fam, your forever family line, a family line of faithfulness, a family line of kindness? This is true of you now. This is what you have in the reserve tank now because you're a part of his family. You come from a family line of courage. You come from a family line of do-gooders. You come from a family line of selfless, selfless lovers. You come from a family line of reconciliation. You come from a family line of peacemakers, a family line of patience. Some of you need to receive this as it's said over you. A family line of a sound mind. You come from a family line of truth-tellers and grace-givers. You come from a family line that is great in faith. You may have small faith this morning, but you come from a line of faithful men and women that have endured much and are rooting for you and have access to faith for you this morning. Hebrews 10, 32 to 39. This is what's true. Remember those early days after you had received the light. Do you remember that? When you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. Some of you sit around family tables and you've been jeered at. You've been poked at. You've actually been uninvited to the table now because of your new family line, because of your new loyalty. You suffered along with those in prison, joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Whatever's been taken from you in friendship and relationship, it pales in comparison to what you now have access to. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just a little while, He who is coming will come and not delay, and but my righteousness, my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Radiant Teleri, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. This is true of you if you're in Jesus Christ this morning. Truer than anything else you've heard spoken over you as a little kid. Truer than anything else that you know of your family's past. This is what's true of you now. We don't shrink back. We don't cower. We don't go turtle shell in this world. We go forth boldly knowing who we are because we know who our Father is. We know what our family is like. Jesus, I want to pray right now that there would be a great severing. Oh, thank you for your sword that you came with, Jesus. Thank you that you came to, to separate what's dead and bring close what's alive. 
Thank you, Father, that we don't have to hang our head in shame because of our earthly family. Thank you that right now you're rewriting stories. You are putting in the work right now as you stand, as you, as you step forward in faith and believe that Jesus has something greater for you. You're a part of a greater family now. You're doing the work this morning as you sing, as you trust his word, as you lean into his spirit this morning, as you invite more of him in. You're doing the work right now to overturn generational curses, overturn generational like baggage, overturn all of these things that have been stacked against you. And Jesus is freeing you this morning. He's turning that into good for you this morning. What was meant to harm you as a kid, Jesus is going to bring something stronger into your life now. He's going to use that to build up your faith. He's going to use that to build up your endurance. Don't, don't be afraid of it. Throw it on him. Don't be afraid of it. Don't hide it in the, in the closet. You throw it on him. See what he can do with it this morning. Jesus, you're our only hope. You're the only way forward. We want it. We want what you've got for us in your family. We trust you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, in your kindness. You're just, you're even poking this morning on a few things for people. Thank you that if we choose the first thing of just sitting at your feet, it won't be taken. (laughs) We won't be embarrassed. We'll actually reap a reward. So that's what we choose this morning. Would you help us be still? Those who are just anxiously waiting for what's next. Would you help us be still and receive? For those that are overly comfortable, would you help us move on into what you have for us next? We trust our whole life into your hands, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hey, we're going to conclude our time with just a little bit more time to just do exactly what this passage talked about. This passage really is a bold invitation to come and be family with Jesus, to sit under his leadership in our lives, to sit under his lordship in our lives. And for the disciples, it was real easy for them. You know, they'd come into a room, sit and listen to him teach, sing with him when he would lead in singing. For us, it's not so clear with the physical posture. We're all standing right now. So like in this passage, the ones that were standing were kind of on the outside. But remember, as Jared was sharing that, it's a posture of heart that counts. So we're going we're gonna to end this time by not saying, let's just break and leave this place. We're going to end this time to say, let's sit under Jesus' lordship and leadership in our lives for a bit. And let's give ourselves. What's the posture and attitude of heart, the position we want to take? And I just want to say, give yourself as a child, as a daughter, a son of God, give yourself fully to worshiping him. Because that's how we, that is how we come and sit under his leadership in our lives. We worship. We obey. We follow after him. So I want to invite you, if you don't know the words, it's really not even about the words. We're not asking you to get on a mic and sing. I want to invite you to have a posture in your heart of saying, Lord, I come. I want to be aligned with you first, Jesus first. I understand that's what it's like being in your family, God. So I want to align with that. 
So I'm going to do that as we sing. You may have a voice that you feel like, I don't want to let anybody hear me. So you don't have to sing loud so anybody else can hear you. But as you align to say, Jesus, you're first in my life. Let your heart, let your eyes be lifted. Let your heart be committed toward him. Let your mouth be opened. Let's worship for a bit together. And then we'll come to the table of the Lord.